It's obvious in Genesis chapter 21 verses 1 to 7 that the big idea that the narrator Moses is trying to get across to us is this. God was faithful to Abraham in sending him the promised offspring. That's unmistakable in this section. Just look again at the text. The Lord visited Sarah as He had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as He had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight years old, as God had commanded him. Four times there, in the first four verses, is mentioned the fact that God had spoken about this son beforehand. So now it comes to pass, and you will recall that this is the son that Abraham has waited 25 years for. And now he's been born. And the narrator, Moses, tells us four times. This happened as the Lord had spoken. As God had promised, now he's delivered. God had already spoken about this. God had commanded Abraham about this. He tells us four times in this little text. So it's unmistakable that the big idea that the narrator is trying to get across here is that God was faithful in sending Abraham his promised offspring. You recall in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Back over to Genesis 21. The Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as He had promised. That promise made back in Genesis 15.4, fulfilled now in Genesis chapter 21. Or Genesis 17, in verse 9. Pardon me, not verse 9, verse 19. Genesis 17 and verse 19. Abraham has just said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And now back to Genesis chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah, as He had said. And the Lord did to Sarah, as He had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. It's all over this text that the, that the Lord has been faithful to Abraham in fulfilling the promises that he made to him. Nothing stopped God from keeping his word. God was faithful to His Word. 25 years have elapsed. And as we've seen in our exposition of the last several chapters, there have been a lot of ups and downs in Abraham's life. But nothing has stopped God from keeping His Word. Not Abraham's sin or faithlessness. This promise of God was unilateral. What that means is it wasn't dependent upon conditions that Abraham would fulfill. God said, it shall be done. And here in Genesis 21, it was done. 
And Abraham's sin and faithlessness did not nullify the faithfulness of God. We will recall Abraham trying to take matters into his own hands and taking the servant woman Hagar as his wife, bearing a son through her, Ishmael. No, God says, your very own son whom Sarah will bear to you, Isaac, shall be the heir. And you remember just last week, this episode with Abimelech, where he lies and says that Sarah is his sister. Through all of these fiascos that Abraham wanders into and God brings him through and out of, through all of these things, amidst all the up and downs, nothing has stopped God from keeping His Word. Not Abraham's sin or faithlessness. And not the ordinary impossibility of it. Abraham was 100 years old at this time. Sarah was 90. As we talked about last week, the degenerative effect of the fall of sin may have been less at that time period than it is now. But nevertheless, the New Testament Scriptures tell us that Abraham's body was as good as dead. We talked a number of weeks ago that it likely means that he was impotent. Sarah was past childbearing age, the Scripture tells us. So whatever the, the degenerative effects of the fall on the body had been, whatever the case, Sarah was past childbearing age. And Abraham was sexually impotent. And so, ordinarily, the impossibility of this couple conceiving and having children wouldn't happen. In fact, it was laughable. Sarah laughed, and she says here, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Imagine you hear that the 90-year-old woman down the street has just given birth to a baby. And you, you see her out on her front porch breastfeeding a little child and you think, what? Hey, you, laugh, you laugh even right now. This is what's going on here in this text. So this is exactly what Sarah is saying. God has made a laughable situation. The or- Abraham's sin and faithlessness did not nullify the faithfulness of God in fulfilling His promise. Abraham's sin and faithfulness didn't stop it. And neither did the ordinary impossibility of it. God is able to do the extraordinary. Never mind that it, it wasn't naturally possible. God is able to do the supernatural. When God promises, God delivers. And that is what happened in this case. God was faithful in sending the promised offspring to Abraham. That is very clearly the narrator's goal under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in penning this little section of Scripture. We're told over and over again, it happened just as God said it would. And God was faithful in sending the promised offspring because God is faithful in everything. There are no exceptions. God will always do what He has promised. Nothing will stand in His way. Not our sin or faithlessness and not the ordinary impossibility of the things that He has promised. Is the arm of the Lord too short? 
God says in Numbers 23 and verse 19 also, that He is not a man, that He should lie, or a son of man, that He should change His mind. Has He said and will not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not fulfill it? God is neither unable nor unwilling to do that which He has promised. The arm of the Lord is not too short. And our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't have mood swings. He doesn't reconsider. He doesn't learn new information that makes Him recalculate. God promises, and He is able to do that which He has promised. And if He promises... He will not change His mind. He is not like us in that respect. God is faithful in everything. This is a comforting truth to believers. We love to sing, as we just did, about God's faithfulness. Among other things, God has made promises concerning His relationship to us as Christians. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You might say, well, he promised that to Joshua. Isn't that just pulling an Old Testament promise out of its context and applying it to us? Well, the author of Hebrews includes it. Chapter 13 and verse 5. Has he not said, I will never leave you or forsake you? So we have inspired warrant to take that promise for ourselves. God has said to us, Christians... I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you need not fear any evil, for He is with you. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has made promises to us concerning His providential care for us in this life. As I mentioned, when you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, He will be with you in the difficult and trying circumstances of life. He repeats a similar idea in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 2. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, and they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Brothers and sisters, for those who love God, all things work together for good. God has made promises concerning His relationship to us, God has made promises to us concerning His providential care for us throughout this life. And God has made promises to us concerning our future. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Or as we read earlier in the service, according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is just a sampling of the promises. But we have a faithful God 
who is faithful in everything. He sent the son promised to Abraham as he had promised because he always keeps his promises. He did it in that specific instance because he always does it. And he is neither unable nor unwilling to follow through on the things he has promised. So every single one of those things I just read to you and dozens more, if not hundreds more, in Scripture, you may claim as your own and you may be sure that God is able to do that which He has promised and that God is willing to follow through on those promises. But the fact that God is faithful in everything is first of all bad news for those who are not yet trusting in Christ. Because God has promised to punish their sin. You may be sure of this, Ephesians 5, verses 5 and 6 tells us. You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Maybe somebody who is not yet trusting in Christ thinks, well, I'm not that bad, and those things listed, I haven't done those things. Well, first of all, you've done those things in your heart. I can guarantee that. And Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 5, that God's standards run all the way down to the thoughts, motivations, affections of our hearts. But even if we grant that you haven't committed those specific sins for the sake of argument, James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point has become guilty of all of it. No unbeliever God's faithfulness is not at first good news to you, but brings instead only the dreadful realization that God will not be flexible and lenient with you on Judgment Day. God's faithfulness means that He will keep His Word. He will do that which He has spoken and pour out His wrath upon those who are outside of Christ Jesus who have merited said wrath. He will be faithful to His promise to punish unrepentant sinners who have not flown to Christ Jesus for pardon and for forgiveness. He will be faithful to punish them as their sins deserve. However, though the truth of God's faithfulness may be bad news at first, to those who are outside of Christ Jesus, the truth of God's faithfulness may become good news to those who are outside of Christ Jesus, even as God's faithfulness has become good news to us Christians. Before God can promise never to leave us nor forsake us, before God can promise to work all things for our good, before God can promise us eternal life with Him in new heavens and a new earth, the demands of the law must be satisfied or He would be unfaithful to His promise to punish sin. 
And in order to satisfy the demands of the law, God sent another offspring of Abraham according to his faithfulness. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18, we read that God said to Abraham that in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. The New Testament teaches us that the offspring of Abraham who blesses all the nations of the earth is none other than Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the son of Adam, the son of Abraham. The offspring of Abraham who blesses all the nations of the earth is not Isaac, but Christ Jesus. Therefore, there are at least two offsprings promised to Abraham in the Genesis narrative. Two individuals. And God was faithful to send both in due time as He had promised. God sent Abraham His first promised offspring, Isaac, in due time. The immediate fulfillment of Abraham's offspring as He had promised. This first boy was not conceived by ordinary generation or by divine intervention. The Lord visited Sarah, Genesis 21.1. Isaac was born as God promised he would be, as God had said, as he had promised, of which God had spoken to him, as God had commanded Abraham, Genesis 21.1, and 4. And the promised offspring arrived at the preordained moment in God's plan. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah shall have a son. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. Philip Eveson, a biblical commentator, notes the similarities between the first promised offspring of Abraham, who is Isaac, and the ultimate promised offspring of Abraham, who would bless all the nations of the earth. Jesus. Just as Isaac was, Jesus was not born through human planning and effort. It was the result of divine activity. The birth of Jesus happened exactly as the Lord had promised through the prophets. It was at the right moment in God's plan that the promised offspring appears. As Galatians 4.4 tells us, when the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come, Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah as a result of miraculous divine intervention, just as God had promised according to His faithfulness. So it was with the birth of Christ Jesus. God was faithful to send this ultimate offspring of Abraham to bless the nations of the earth. And He blessed the nations of the earth, as I began to say a few moments ago. Jesus blessed the nations of the earth by satisfying the demands of God's law on behalf of those whom God intends to save from every tribe and language and people and nation on earth. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 tells us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. 
God's faithfulness to His promise to Abraham demanded that God send Abraham an offspring who would bless the nations of the earth. You realize God would not have been faithful had He not sent the Christ, the Messiah, to bless the nations of the earth because He promised that to Eve. He promised that to Abraham. He promised that throughout the Old Testament that this Christ was coming. That this Messiah was coming. Christ or Messiah just means anointed one. That one anointed to do the work for which God had sent him. That promised one is coming. And God's faithfulness demanded it. God's faithfulness to his promise to punish sin. As I said a few moments ago, you can't hope that God will just be lenient about the promise that he has made to punish sin. Because if God doesn't follow through on what He said, that He's going to punish sin, then He is not a faithful God. Because we know that He is a faithful God, we know that He will punish sin. So God's faithfulness to His promise to punish sin, listen, demanded that God punish a substitute if He were to bless otherwise undeserving sinners from among every nation. How is a faithful God going to punish sin and bless the nations? The nations are full of wickedness. How is a God who says He's going to punish sin bless sinners? But God resolves these things. God acts according to His faithfulness in punishing sin, and God acts according to His faithfulness in blessing the nations of the earth by sending Christ Jesus to act as a substitute for the nations. To live a life of obedience, offering to God the obedience that His law requires for the nations. So that people in Barbados would not be punished for their sin, but would be blessed. So that people in Canada and the US and Venezuela and Argentina and Malawi and Zambia and China and Japan and wherever we could think of. So that people in all of these nations who deserve to be punished, whose sins God has promised to punish, so that they would be instead blessed. God follows through on His word that He will punish sin. He will by no means clear the guilty. He follows through on that by either sending people to hell or by pouring out the wrath that these people deserve upon the substitute, Christ Jesus, on the cross. And Christ follows through on His, pardon me, God follows through on His promise To bless the nations at the cross also. Where Christ Jesus stands in the place of men and women and boys and girls from all the nations I just mentioned and every other nation on the face of the earth. From every people group on the face of the earth. Christ Jesus, four people from every people group on the face of the earth. Jesus went to the cross. 
so that every people group on the earth would be blessed through Abraham's offspring. God's faithfulness to punish sin leads one of two places. Either hell or the cross. And God's promise to bless the nations leads only to one place. The cross. There is no other way for a holy God to bless the nations but through the cross. So God's faithfulness as He is faithful in everything prompted Him to follow through on the promise He had made to Abraham to give him a son by Sarah, Isaac. And God's faithfulness to punish sin and yet bless the nations through Abraham's offspring prompted God to send another offspring of Abraham many generations later who would receive the punishment due to sin and thereby bless the nations. By exercising faith in that more distant offspring of Abraham. Not faith in Isaac, Abraham's son by Sarah, but by faith in Abraham's great, 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 great grandson, Jesus. That one whom God sent because He had promised to bless the nations. By exercising faith in Abraham's offspring, Jesus. Exercising faith is nothing more than extending an empty hand to take hold of a great Savior. By exercising faith in Christ Jesus, we receive forgiveness for our sins, reconciliation to God, as He has promised all who take hold of Christ will have. And we become heirs of all other promises, including those I mentioned a few moments ago. God offers His faithful love, His care, and eternal well-being to all who are willing to trust in the promises that He has brought to fulfillment in and through Christ Jesus. So if you're not yet trusting in Christ to save you from your sins, let this incident in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 7, let this incident of Isaac's birth according to the promises of God, instruct you about God's faithfulness. He will do as He has promised. If you are outside of Christ, that is not trusting in Him. If you're trusting in something else for your standing before God, whether it's your own obedience or whatever the case may be, maybe your parents are Christians and you're trusting in that, that God will accept you because your parents are Christians or something like this, whatever the case may be, if you're not yet trusting in Jesus, you need to hear this. When you die or Christ returns, God will punish you as your sins deserve in hell. If you're not trusting in Christ Jesus. He is faithful to do what He has promised. And what He has promised to do is punish sin. But if you will turn from your sin to trust in Christ, 
God will be faithful and just to forgive your sins. To cleanse you from all unrighteousness. As He has promised to do. For all of those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're already a believer. See here in this incident a firm foundation. For that great truth that we sang earlier in the service. Great is thy faithfulness. And consider that the Messiah, Christ Jesus, was as Isaac was, long expected. Yet God was faithful to send the Messiah, Christ Jesus, in due time, according to His promise, just as He was faithful to send Isaac in due time, according to His promise. And so now that God has been faithful to send Abraham's more distant offspring, the Lord Jesus Christ, just as He has promised, Christian, all of God's promises now belong to you in Him. All of God's promises find their yes and amen in Christ Jesus.